0: Greetings CBD Junkie, uh, I'm your host Lawrence Doan and today we're joined by Dr. Brian Liu. He graduated from the, his BDS with honors from the UQ in 2020 and he currently works in regional New South Wales, Tamworth. He is a proud member of the ADA and today he is particularly interested in endodontics, porcelain aesthetic restorations and biomimetic dentistry which focuses on restoring teeth in a natural like strength and function. Dr. Liu also active in professional courses to increase his expertise to better serve his patient's needs. Dr. Brian Neil, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, hello, hello.
0: So before we get started, Dr. Brian, tell us about how Townworth is treating you.
1: Uh, well, as a regional town, I think it's not too bad. I think I got used to it being uh, someone who grew up in a city. It was a lot more It's not as quiet as I thought it would be, I would say. Yeah, um, it's still quite accessible um, to go to cities and everything with a flight and stuff like that, so it's not too bad.
0: Yeah, that's good because, I mean, for a lot of recent graduates, they often contemplate whether it's worthwhile moving to regional cities or metropolitan cities. So what was your take on that? And, you know, if someone was making a decision, what would you want them to ask them to consider?
1: I think, or well, at least personally, I am a massive fan of like, at least for a fresh graduate um, to work in a regional environment, just because like, as a fresh graduate, you know, there's so many uncertainties in, you know, our capabilities and our career and things like that. And as far as I'm concerned, as far as I've been told, like working in metropolitan areas, working in a city, like the patient base that you have, have a certain expectation as well which adds to a lot of stress to like a, a fresh graduate, you know, like for example, having um, all sorts of procedures that, you know, we are like, we we can do it, but we're not so sure if we are good enough, things like that. You know, the imposter syndrome coming in on top of that, you know, with patients who are not as forgiving as regional, uh, regional residents, I would say I, yeah, that's, I'm I'm hundred percent all for regional, at least for the first like three to five years, I would say, but, It's just that not everyone is willing to move out here you know and live a quiet life for a few years i would say
0: (laughs) yeah that's fair enough so let's dive into it so how did your cpd or dental journey um kind of begin from when you graduated
1: so when i graduate i graduated in 2020 so i started working in 2021 so it was about two years ago um and it was still the COVID, like COVID era, you know, most things were, uh, there were a lot of online webinars, you know, a lot of things were done live on Zoom instead of in person. So it was, it was good and bad at the same time in a way where a lot of things obviously, you know, um, especially in dental related stuff, you kind of need a hands-on component. But at the same time, because a lot of things was on Zoom, you could access a lot more CPDs online that are not in Australia. Like, for me personally um, even in year 5 before I even graduated I watched a lot of I joined a lot of uh, online webinars and everything that was done in US so I had I woke up at 3am in the morning <laughs> to to watch some of these webinars just because you know back then you know the the craze of biomimetic dentistry and everything it just came up on Instagram and you know in Australia we didn't have that many courses with that yet but a lot of the uh, more renowned dentists in U.S. were actively giving out free webinars so as a student you know we don't have to spend money it's free all I need to do is wake up at 3 a.m you know it wasn't such a bad thing um and that sort of carried over to 2021 you know when I started working and obviously being in a regional town it's not as easy to say hey I'm gonna go for a weekend course this weekend things like that because everywhere we go Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, I have to take a flight. You know, I can't just take one day off. I got to take one and a half days off, you know, things like that. I got to book everything. So it was a little bit inconvenient, but, um, but half of it was, you know, it was okay still doing a lot of them, like, you know, online and everything. You don't learn as much. I would say like there are certain things, like for example, certain courses and everything you have to do it in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think for the majority of it, I, I sort of managed to um learn i think theoretically i could learn a lot um online i would say and i think a lot of courses nowadays as well they they also have their online component to it because they realize how in a way useful it is
0: yeah well i mean let's, let's to dial accept, back yeah there. Let's dial back a little bit. So, you know, you're graduating, right? And yeah. for a lot, of, you're, you're, you're keen to kind of get in and start doing a lot of this work and then yeah. COVID hits and you're just like, oh my gosh, like I'm rusty and I'm, I'm going to feel even more rusty. I mean, can yeah. you speak to, uh, you know, some of the people, you know, they're probably in the same boat, like what it was like feeling at the time. Did you feel more anxious and just want to like do more dentistry?
1: I would say yes, for me, at least. I think yeah. I, I was a little bit obsessed about like biomimetic, like, you know, something like a particular field, you know, I think all of us have that particular interest in something, be it endo or like crowns or whatever. And like, for me, I was like, particularly obsessed about like, you know, how do I get, how do I bond better, you know, all and all, and all the craze. And that sort of, made like the lockdowns and everything sort of made me want to work want to go and you know my hands were itchy and i want to do something but at the same time you know we, we couldn't see many patients you know there was like restrictions everywhere it was sort of like a pain um so i think it wasn't easy but like a lot of things we could still in a way um practice at home i would say i had like all those 3d printed models i was practicing different stuff the like, I my, yeah, the two flagos. Yes, yes. I had two flagos at home. You know, I was like looking up stuff, you know, checking out like what I could do at home or like, you know, for my patients and things like that. I I don't know. It's just find something to, to do while being stuck at home. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah.
0: How did you kind of come about finding these online courses over in America that needed you to wake up at three o'clock in the morning? Like, where were you looking, and why was biomimetic dentistry like the place you wanted to go?
1: I'm not sure how I stumbled upon biomimetic dentistry. I, I, to be honest, I gotta give props to Instagram because, like, you know, like all the everyone's an Instagram dentist nowadays. Um, but like, <laughs> with regards to the courses and everything, there were Facebook was a good way to to sort of find a lot of these courses because, you know, of how the algorithm works and everything. You search for one, like, biometric course, and then, like, the, the ads just keep coming. They keep you hooked. And I, yeah, the, the, yeah, I was down in a rabbit hole. And it, it sort of made it easier in a way because, you know, obviously, because of the algorithm, it made it easier for me to, like, look for the next course, look for the next course and everything. And also, I think, um, I sort of follow quite a few like dentists who I would try to emulate and they also post on their stories and things like that on like a certain webinar they're going to talk on and things like that. So it sort of just provided different, different avenues for me to find what is the, well, as a student, what is the most economical way of learning? Because you know, we know that courses are not, if you want to do every single course, we probably cannot afford it as a fresh graduate. Um, so there are many, many ways to sort of like, you know, hack the system to, to learn as much as we can, at least in the first few years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the graduates probably find difficult as well is you know, when you're learning about biomimetic dentistry, it requires particular tools, particular equipment. Like, how do you kind of go about learning these things and then applying it if, you know, maybe the practice doesn't have these things?
1: For me, oh, okay, I'll use myself as an example, like, um, you know, in biomimetic dentistry, you know, for example, they talk about, you know, using your SE bonds and everything, you know, two bottle system. But we know that a lot of practices use universal bond, a single bottle system, you know, just to make stock taking a lot easier and things like that. And that's how my practice works as well. I don't have two bottle systems. I use a single bond and everything. But...
0: Oh, controversial.
1: Yeah, very <laughs> controversial. Yeah. But like, for me... There are some things that I buy myself, you know, my aqua care, things like that. It's going to be me using it. I, I was willing to spend the money and, you know, just to up my own game in a way. But at the same time, I try to make use, make full use of what I have. You know, I think it's, it's a spectrum. It's not like, you know, we, it's either, you know, I follow it to the T or I don't do it at all kind of thing. It's more like it's always a spectrum. At least that's how I understand it. Like if we, have a limited resource and like limited tools, you know, for fresh graduate working in like you know, accidental clinic, and you know maybe their practice owner didn't want to spend on a lot of things, you know, they were like just use what we have, things like, that. and I think it's quite common. I have a lot of friends who who told me the same thing as well, and I think all I can say is just make make the most out of what you have, and and just improve as we go, because. It's great if we can follow in you know, the literature to the T, but unfortunately, in day-to-day clinic, we don't really have that luxury in a lot, like a lot of situations. I would say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Kudos to you for getting the aqua care. I mean, lucky you work at <laughs> yeah. one clinic. I mean, if you were working at <laughs> yes. multiple clinics, just imagine <laughs> carrying your pelican yeah. suitcase around. Yeah. Yeah, let's dive into endodontics because I heard that you wrote an article on different irrigating solutions on MTA or something. You went even to present on a research day on that?
1: Yeah, that was my year five um, honors program that I, I mean, honors project that I did with uh, someone me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so t- tell me, how, I mean, what did you do about endodontics? Like, after you came out, you, you have. Like, how do you go about learning endodontics in a COVID, you know, era? Um, That was a tough one. Um,
1: I think for me, I've only attended, I'll say I've attended only one endo CPD after graduation. Um, That's with, you know, finding MB2s and all the stuff and learning different files as well. but that was a hands-on course because obviously in endo there's only so much you can learn online and most things will be done you know in person i was lucky because like um at least 2021 you know COVID sort of died down and things were catching back up again things like that um but yeah that that sort of like how would i put it i think i was a little lucky, I would say, in uni where I did a lot of endo, um, because that was my interest anyway. And you know, in university, everyone gets a different amount of patients. You know, it's it's not like it's not it's not super super fair. I would say, you know, some people get more endo patients, some people get more crown patients, things like that. And for me, it was endo, so I managed to do a fair bit, and I managed to try a lot of different files as well. You know, after I graduated in my workplace, because uh my practice owner was um very open to letting me try whatever new files that I want to get so he was like oh you want to try this file? yep let's get a set of it let's try it you because know, he knows that I was very interested in endo so he was quite I would say he was uh he played a big part in allowing me to explore a lot of different like systems to find what works best and what works predictably in my hands I would say so that's that's probably me, and you know, obviously, right now, the entire the entire cleaning, I think I do most of the
0: endos. So you're like yeah. endo guy.
1: Yeah, in my practice, I am, uh, yeah, I am the person who does most. I think because not a lot of people like endo. I realized in private practice, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't really like endo. You want to do it, go and do it, kind of thing. So, I I used it to, you know, my I worked in my it worked in my favor, I would say, because like I was more than happy to to do all the endos, you know, no matter how difficult it is. Obviously, you know, within my scope and most of them will refer to me. And if I say I can't do it, then only we refer to the specialist because in Tamworth there is no endodontist. So our closest specialist referral is Newcastle.
0: Wow. So by,
1: yeah, so it's like a three and a half hour drive away. And, you know, they're always fully booked, you know, like six, eight months in advance. So. You know most patients are more than happy to be like you know what let's let's just try let's just do it and things like that so it gives me i would say a lot of opportunity to improve and to to um just up my game i would say and you know with regards to you know files or different irrigants different all the tools you know endo is like a million and one tools a million and one brands as well yeah my, my boss is i mean i would say my practice owner was quite um I would, say, I would say quite gracious in just allowing, just letting me like, okay, right, you know, what do we need? What do you think we need, you know, for all of this? All right, let's just get it set, see how we go. And, you know, if we're lucky, we can get more of it, things like that. So it sort Absolutely. of just gave me the green light to do whatever. And I think, I would say I'm blessed because, you know, I acknowledge that not everyone would have a practice owner who just let them order whatever they want in a way. Um, but yeah, I would say, I was lucky i was a little lucky
0: <laughs> <laughs> no that's fair enough yeah so let's dive into something as a cerek enthusiast how did how did you become a cerek enthusiast
1: oh i think this all started with like you know in year five where you know all the biomimetic stuff and everything and then i was like oh Seric and everything and i i think i'm a very i would consider myself a very tech oriented guy, i have my own computers, you know, I have a 3d printer at home right next to me, things like that. I was like, very, very into digital stuff. And even when I was applying for a job after graduation, like, I shortlisted the, in- the only places I applied to were the places that had Sarah. Like, I knew that that was the path I wanted to go down to, I wanted to, you know, incorporate digital dentistry into my everyday, like, life, in a way. So, you know, getting into that, obviously, the first few months, barely touched it, you know, as a fresh graduate, you know, nothing about it. You know, we didn't, I think, even for me, graduating in 2020, we, we'd never touch a scanner. I think now a lot of universities have scanners to let the students learn, we didn't have that opportunity, because you took previous impressions and things like that. So everything was new. And so, you know, the first, first three, six months barely touched it. You know, all I scanned was my own mouth, my DA's mouth, you know, the models and things like that. Um, but my boss was happy enough to just let me play around with it, learn. Um, and only after I did a few CEREC, like a CEREC course, um, by Dr. Lawrence, and that sort of propelled my entire like journey, I would say into CEREC into, you know being confident and efficient in doing it day to day, you know, as before as compared to before a course, you know, where I was like always guessing myself, oh, am I doing this right? You know, you know, spending a million and one years to design a crown and things like that. So yeah, I think those courses really made me, you know, do a lot better Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: be a lot better in what I'm doing at the moment
0: yeah that's fair enough yeah for a lot of our listeners he's not referring to me um he's referring to dr Dr. Lawrence Lau. just in case people think i was referring to (laughs) me so i mean okay you just mentioned that you have a digital printer so talk to me about that and that um side of things
1: oh um yeah i i bought a sonic mini 4k like you know typical entry-level 3d printer um, I got it for my own house to be honest, just to print models and and learn and play around with it. Um, I think it's definitely the up in I think if you saw on DPR this past two weeks, every day there's a post about three D printing. I think it's the definitely the next big thing, and I think it's gonna play a very very big part in well at least in America it's playing a very very big part. Not in Australia just yet probably. We are just printing models here and spins and things like that, but. You know i think in the coming few years definitely gonna play a big part in in our day-to-day dentistry i would say because it's a lot cheaper to get into as well um as compared to you know buying a milling machine and things like that so yeah i have a Sony mini 4k you know i bought all my curing stuff and yeah just learning how to print models and temporaries i guess that that's at least what i do no, so- at the moment yeah
0: so how are you learning it though are you are you learning it through talking to your lab you're learning it through just downloading exocad or mix masher and just learning through the modules online like
1: i'm learning it through some oh there is a few online webinars that i attended previously um it's it's a little bit difficult to learn it online i would say just because you know there's a it really depends on the printer, what program I have access to, whether I'm willing to pay for a subscription, for example, like ExoCat, you know, it's like thousands of dollars, which I'm not willing to as a, as a home user. So you know, I'm using a lot of free programs. I'm using like, you know, Link, which is free. I'm using G2Boxy, which is free, you know, like, maximizing what I have where, that are free to learn the ropes first, in a way. Um, and that I managed to come across you know quite a lot of like quote-unquote free content on on YouTube and YouTube is amazing but you know we can learn so much on YouTube and a lot of um a lot of dentists also post their tutorials on Instagram as well yeah which that I just leverage on all of this to 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 learn as I go and just troubleshoot make mistakes ask on Facebook things like that yeah I, I would say the learning there is a certain learning curve to it because you know um it's a there's a lot of mode of failures for 3d printing like one wrong number and everything just falls apart kind of thing um at least for the printer that i'm using because it's an entry level printer it's not like a ten thousand dollar printer where you, which is a plug and play so you get what you pay for i guess
0: yeah And that's fair enough because a lot of, you know, recent graduates are like, yeah, I'm learning about intro scanners now. And I see printing is like the new frontier and I want to dive Mm -hmm. into it. But kudos to you again for purchasing all this stuff and going and learning (laughs) it. A lot of them are like, you know, I'm just spent a full day at work. How do I have the energy to go and study and go and learn (laughs) some more, you know?
1: I mean, I I was going to say, I totally agree with that because like, I have a lot of friends who say I'm crazy. Like my boss says I'm crazy too. Like, 24-7 dentistry, I would say.
0: (laughs) So, next comes communication. Uh, Talk to us about how, you know, communication is very particular for a lot of graduates, right? Um, Mm. Learning all these, you know, difficult dentistry cases and all of that, how to communicate, how did you kind of go about that?
1: For me, um, well, a little bit about my practice, like, when I first joined the practice, um, my practice um, was under like prime practice. So, you know, we had access to prime speak and things like, you know, those typical communication calls. Um, So my manager said, you know, Brian, go for it. I think I did it. I did the entire prime Speak thing in like the first month, you know, with the course and everything. I wouldn't say it's like, yeah, I mean, even all the zoom calls and everything, like, I wouldn't say, I would say it was a good base. I don't really fully follow it anymore because you know of many other reasons but I would say for me at at least um, that sort of gave me a baseline on where to start and sort of find my own style of communicating but I definitely have to acknowledge the fact that coming from university you know working in a public system you know because obviously it was hospital patients and everything was free and then transitioning into a private practice where Cost is a really big thing. That was a really big challenge. And I'm, I'm going to assume that it's going to be a big challenge for, I would say, most, if not all, fresh graduates talking about costs, talk, like treatment planning, you know, and things like that, because um, we were not trained, unfortunately, in university to factor in these kind of things. We were only trained to talk about what's, what's the best possible dentistry here, you know all the disease control phase and all the definitive phase and, you know, the typical viral questions and everything. Unfortunately, that though, that at least for me, in my experience, that didn't really go very well, um, in a private setting, because at least in Tamworth, you know, patients are, um, I would say they are not as highly educated in their family background as compared to let's say some family in the city. So they are all like, you know, what's the best thing to do? Let's do it right now. You know, it's it's a lot, it's a very different, like human interaction, I would say. Um, so for me, I sort of learning the hard way where, you know, a lot of patients, saying no at the start until I realize, okay, what am I doing wrong here? I'm not saying something wrong. You know, am, am I treatment planning wrongly? How do I make my patients understand the value and things like that? And I sort of just dialled back and just started to educate myself and educate the patients as well. So instead of like telling them ABC what they need and things like that, I sort of just spend some time talking to them, understanding where you know, understanding them a little bit better, building rapport. And um, I think I planted a lot of seeds. It's more like for me, I found that that worked for me in terms of communication, where I just educated my patients and let them, let them decide. I think that took off a lot of stress and sort of made, made, you know, made, made sense for me at least.
0: Fair enough. So, I mean, there's a lot of courses that you've done. Have there been any particular ones that you felt that you didn't quite implement or wasn't as beneficial for you at the time and you would do differently next time?
1: Yes. There's a few, I would, uh, I would say a couple, not a few. Um, I did some pediatric dentistry ones, which um, to be honest, added no value to my at my you know at the time because you know i barely saw any pediatric pediatric patients things like that um and also i think i did a i did like an implant kind of like webinar seminar with the small hands-on component but um i don't i don't do implants at the moment so i don't remember a single thing that i've learned in that in that weekend um just because obviously a lot of these skills you basically give it away if you don't if you don't practice it, you know, it, probably within a month, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So looking back, I probably would not do it until, when I'm ready to pick that up and, you know, look for patients or have the patients to, um, to perform these procedures, I would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. So I'm going to, I'm going to pivot a little bit. Um, you know, there, are. Uh, mentors during our career path you know who's been you know a big mentor to you and why
1: for me i would say my my boss my practice owner um i think when i first started um it was more like i didn't get much obviously chair side mentoring or like coming in and help me you know besides a few different extractions But from a treatment planning, from a problem solving perspective, which was, um, something I think, at least for me as a fresh graduate back then, you know, my knowledge was limited, you know, in terms of like overseeing bigger cases, you know, like a rehabilitation, or let's say a patient who comes in with a lot of problems. I think for me, um, I was quite lucky where my boss was always there. Like after work, I can just bring it to him. Hey what's going on here? You know, can we have a sit down for like five minutes? Can we talk about what you would do in this situation? And then we sort of throw ideas around. um, And, you know, he would sort of challenge me, you know, intellectually. Okay, what do you think this problem here is? And things like that. So I think for me, he played a really big part in my first, at least I would say my first two years out. um, Because that was where I was trying to um, sort of change my perspective on like, I think as a fresh graduate, we look at a lot of like single tooth dentistry, you know, we always yeah. want to, yeah. And then, but then moving, if you want to sort of up our game, we got to look at the whole mouth, you know, what are all the problems going on there? How do we, you know, solve it? Number one, how do we communicate with the patient that there is a lot of problems going on, and things like that. So yeah, he was definitely a, he played a really big role in, in allowing me to grow in that aspect. Um, and at least now, um he because my boss does most of the orthodontics and implants as well my practice I haven't done I've been I'm only learning ortho at the moment but he brings his cases to me now as well where he he will just sort of get me to treatment planning and then we discuss cases so there's a lot of for me and him like he gives me a lot of opportunity to learn and just like be in a habit of treatment planning and th- and problem solving and things like that which you know is sort of I'm very thankful, I would say, that you know he he's providing that environment for me to grow. Yeah. So
0: yeah. No, that's fair enough. Because like a lot of graduates they come out, they're looking for mentoring. So what mm. are your thoughts on recent graduates looking for mentoring?
1: I think mentoring is important. It's good that number one, we are looking for mentors, but unfortunately, we may not always be blessed with a good mentor. At our workplace, um, but that doesn't mean that we can't find mentors. We can always find mentors elsewhere outside of work. You know, in study clubs, you know, or you know, in different uh, acquaintances that we can make. You know, in different courses, we can. I'm pretty sure a lot of you know uh, more experienced mentors out there are more than happy to answer a question. You know that you can just send them a PM, and I think. At least for me, you know, some of my peers, they were expecting chair-side mentoring. And unfortunately, that's not always going to happen. And it's And I would say that it's, it's a little bit difficult to expect that from, you know, let's say for your boss or someone as well, because they also have their patience. So I think the expectation has to be adjusted a little bit and just like understand that, you know, being a mentor doesn't mean that they're going to be there to you know, uh, hold your hand, but more like being there to help you solve a problem intellectually or like, you know, from a a higher level perspective and then sort of point you to the direction that you need to go kind of thing. And then like let you tumble and turn and make your mistakes and then learn along the way kind of thing. At least that's how I I do it. Like with that expectation, we are more likely to be satisfied with the outcome instead of like, oh, I want my, my, the, the mentor to be always there and. And things like that and then you know, then become disappointed and then you know i think that's setting ourselves up for failure i would say
0: yeah. yeah i think it's important with any relationship to always have an open communication with um your mentor about what you kind of yeah. need or want and you know um see if they can reciprocate <clears throat> you know or where they expect you to be in terms of you know mm-hmm. what's on offer um, I yep. think that's important when it comes to discussing about mentoring because everyone speaks yep. to it about it differently. Yeah. So I mean, can I look, can add to that point? Yeah, yeah, go for
1: it. Yeah, because I think I can't remember who told me this as well. Because like everyone expects, no, everyone's idea of mentoring is different. Some only, some wants chairside mentoring or like someone's like come in and save me from this difficult situation, and some don't don't want that at all. Some just wants you to, you know, like. Uh, Be someone to who they can bring a a particular problem to and just talk about it and discuss and then let them do it. So I think, like what you said about open and open communication, I think that's, that's, that's a good point right there, because everyone's idea of mentoring is very different, or everyone prefers to be mentored in a different way, I would say.
0: Have you been yeah. listening to, my, to uh, on my podcast too much times? Um, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so uh, the next thing I want to ask is, you know, have there been any struggles in your, you know, dental journey so far that some of our viewers might not know about?
1: I would say, I would say yes, in a way, in my dental journey. Um, I think I suffer from a little bit of, I would say, I suffer from uh, imposter syndrome, I would say. <laughs> where I sometimes I always feel like you know am I good enough to do this on patients or do I just send it to my boss or whoever things like that or so I find myself delaying let's say you know a patient comes in complicated case or whatever and I'm sort of like delaying the the consult or like you know okay we we'll just stick some scans here let's get you back in I'm sort of like always having the next consult appointment you know, maybe subconsciously I'm thinking I'm not good enough to solve this problem just yet, or I'm, I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure about that kind of thing. So I think for me, I do suffer from that a little bit. And I think because also like, you know, we see time and time again, amazing cases on Instagram, and then like, oh, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? You know, how do I achieve this? You know, what if my patient's not happy? You know, there's so many sort of like doubts. So that's definitely something that I struggle with. Um, and I think it's, it's a daily, it's a daily thing where, you know, I got to get over it. I think all of us have to, um, but yeah, that's definitely one of the biggest, uh, obstacle I would say for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How about bonding two serics side-by-side at the same time?
1: Oh, learn that the hard way. <laughs> yes. The first few times I did like, like side-by-side ones. Oh my goodness. Like definitely learning the hard way, both serics, you know, didn't see properly. You know, cement all over the place. Killed before I seated it, you know, fully seated it. I had to cut the crowns off. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's definitely, yeah. That's like the first. I would say that's probably like the the first side-by-side one that I did that had that went through that. And I realized, oh, your mistakes are your best teachers. And now it never happened. So what do you do now? Scarred. Yeah. Now I cement it like. Separately, you know, Teflon, everything, you know, I, I make sure things are right before I go in and be a Superman, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, so what does your current clinical day de- or ideal clinical day look like? You know, the type of things that you want to get up to?
1: For me, um, right now my ideal day is the mornings are usually the bigger appointments, the harder ones, you know, my root canals, my Cerex or my rehabs or whatever. Um, my afternoons are, you know, a couple of recalls here and there, some emergency appointments, um, and new patient exams. I normally split my day up like that. So I, you know, i my the caffeine is still running my blood for me to do my morning my my big stuff and in the afternoon I can just slow it down and you know, talk a bit more and do a bit less kind of thing.
0: The food yeah. coma.
1: Yes, 100%. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, what what do you hope in five years' time, you know, your clinical day could look like? And what kind of courses are you doing? Because you mentioned ortho there a little bit. So,
1: yeah. So, hopefully, well, five years' time. Well, five years is a long way to go. Um, but definitely more ortho. Um, hopefully, throwing some implants here and there. And I hope to see myself doing, you know, some all on nexus and some full arch stuff, um, hopefully. Um, don't know whether there will be five years or maybe more than that, depending on, you know, whether I suddenly find interest in implants or not.
0: You gotta get on it quick um, then. You gotta get on it yeah, quick. I mean, what those gonna yeah. take you another two, three years?
1: Yeah, so I think for me, I, I don't have that much, being in Tamworth, And doing auto as well and everything, like it's already half the year gone. Like every, I can't really be flying to the city every month (laughs) to, to do a course kind of thing. So I think that's the biggest downside, at least being aware I am right now, where, like, for example, I'm doing my auto course now, where every two months I'm in either Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane and things like that. And it's like six, seven times a year, two years. And then on top of that, I have my other courses as well. So it's very hard to find time to, constantly do courses where I have to factor in the travel time, the travel costs, the, I got to close my books, you know, and things like that. So that's, I realize, now that I'm going through this, I realize how difficult it is to juggle your time when you want it. Yes. I have so many things. I think that's the biggest challenge right now. Like I have so many things I want to learn. I realize I don't have enough time to go and learn it all. Yeah.
0: No, that's fair enough. I mean, yeah, you'll come to realize that's the case as you kinda of get older and then yeah. you have more responsibilities and <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. other people you have to think about. I mean, so how about your non-clinical day? What do you want to gonna kind of get up to or
1: my non-clinical day? Well well, if you're talking about if you're referring to after work and non-dental stuff, um, hopefully I'm gonna pick up golf this year. Um since you know my, my family and my friends constantly bug me to pick up golf so they can come and play with me so definitely picking up golf this year and hopefully start gymming. Yeah. Um, now that I'm 30 this year, my goodness, I feel like my body is failing me, <laughs> and if I don't look after it, you know, I'm gonna be in trouble in five years' time. So, that's definitely on my list. On my giving some that back pain, are you? Yeah. The next slowly, time. slowly getting there. Slowly getting there. Yeah. Even my Pentax loops can't save me now. And I gotta work out. <laughs> <up>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You
0: need the microscope now. Yeah, um, I need
1: a microscope now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I heard. I heard you like experimenting with uh specialty coffee. Is it coffee? In my Yeah,
1: yeah. I do. I do uh, a fair bit. Of, I mean, I would. I love coffee a lot. Yeah. I just recently built a entire coffee setup, like at the bench and everything, because I make my own coffee at home. So. That's, some, that's one of my uh hobbies i would say just buying coffee beans everywhere and making it at home i'd say
0: <laughs> so what's the secret to a good malay coffee you know is it butter sugar like what's that
1: oh like back like malaysian coffee uh, to be honest condensed milk if you're talking about like true like malaysian coffee condensed milk yes 100 percent
0: yeah. Well, I mean, you're originally from Malaysia, right? The nation yes, of Nasi Lemak. So what yes. Malay food do you miss the most? And what do you, Malay food do you think is like mostly underrated?
1: The food I miss the most, definitely Nasi Lemak. Like nothing here compares to what you can get back home. Um, but the one dish that is underrated. Oh, that's a really, really tough question. That's the one dish that's underrated. A proper laksa Crock-offs. i think it's underrated a proper a proper good laksa yeah yeah so, i think we, we don't have much options here that's unfortunately <laughs> <the
0: case. laughs> so if you could share some words of wisdom to the budding young dentist or the young or the fellow <laughs> malay dental student you know what would you say to them
1: be obsessed first five years out just Eat, sleep, dentistry. I think that's probably the fastest way we can get to where we want to be. And while we are young, you know, be a bit of a slave to your work. Um, it's a bit unhealthy to say that. I'm sorry. Um, you know, all <laughs> of us think about work life balance and everything. But you know, I want to quote Gary, Gary, Gary V. You know, we just gotta hustle it out for the first few years. Um, Cause I think the first few years out where, you know, once we graduated, I think it's where we haven't lost our passion yet, where we are still, you know, interested in it before, you know, we settle down, have a family, have kids and then we have more worries in life than just dentistry. I think make full use of the time in youth, um, to be a sponge and learn as much as we can as fast as we can and not be afraid of like making mistakes, I would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shout out to you, like I said, you do, you bought the care. you've got the 3D yeah. foam, um, the 3D milling pr- printer at home, um, yeah. you know, you're doing it all. So Dr. Brian Lill, uh, thank you for coming on the show today. If you could let the people you. know how they can find you or what's kind of going on in your life.
1: Oh, just find me on Instagram, to be honest. I am just text me on Instagram.
0: <laughs> so, For our viewers, um, if you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part, but don't forget to like and subscribe and we'll see you on the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast. Thank you. If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you on the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.